Hi everybody, this is Dog Training with Patrick on this 4th of July week. This is uh, currently, it just turned 4th of July. I'm doing this recording about 1230 at night. I wanted to give everybody a heads up. If you haven't looked into it yet, booking calendar um, on my website at fourpawstrainingcanines.com. Now it's taking signups for anybody who's looking, who's interested in trying to get their dog's attention or are struggling with that. You know, whenever they get involved in distractions, you know, what we're going to be going over is the reasons for that, why they do that kind of behavior, um, what is, what can you do better, and really give you some tips. It's about, uh, it's going to be about two hours, depending on how many people show up, and it's up to about 20 participants. Um, so right now we got a few sign-ups, and the next following uh, weekend, we will be doing any type of canine good citizen that, canine good citizen testing that needs to be done. And then the following week after that, we got a workshop for proofing the sit. So pretty much being able to have the dog sit at different angles, sitting at distance. And of course, just like anything, we want to make sure that the dog um, understands what the marking behavior is. So this next podcast is really going to be going over uh, a, cl- a class that I did a year ago. It's just a talk. It's the, it's the introduction. Um, and it, it just when I was listening to it today, it just made me kind of think about how much I've grown as a trainer and that my talk is completely different now. And I'm so excited that within a week or so, I will be doing another talk, um, kind of the same type thing. We got a new group class getting ready to start up at the Waterloo Feed Store. And so for me, listening to this and seeing where the talk has changed and grown to, because I don't really use a whole lot of, um, I really don't use a whole lot of information as far as like a, like a layout or anything, I kind of go at lip, and I really want people to get value out of the talks that I do, so I try and give as much information that I have uh, and give them to them, a lot of information really in these classes. So um, I hope you guys enjoy it. It's about an hour, so if you got a little hour drive, I hope um, maybe put it on, just listen to what I have to say as far as the uh, as far as the talk goes, uh, if you don't like it, you don't like it. That's okay. Uh, I, I understand that too. I'm doing. I'm trying to get better every single day. Same thing with doing these podcasts every single day. I'm just trying to get a little bit better. So I hope you enjoy it. And uh, like always, if you like it, you know, leave me a comment, give me a clap. Uh, you know, find me on the website and just uh, just say hello. All righty. Enjoy it. Happy 4th of July and stay safe. Make sure those dogs are, are kept inside and that they are safe. They hear, those, uh, they hear those fireworks and you leave them outside. There's a chance they can get out and run away being scared. So um, enjoy the 4th of July. Make sure the dogs are well taken care of and cats. And especially you guys, stay safe. Thanks. Bye. Don't be alarmed. I, I am recording it, but just for my own purposes only. I, I need to get better. <laughs> I'll do my best not to put anybody to sleep, but we'll go ahead and get started. Um, I'm going to assume this might be it. We might get some more um, stragglers that come in along the way, but that's okay. <clears throat> so who's got uh, the Great Pyrenees Mix Abby? Yeah. And she's three or three months? Three. She big? She, she's not as big as a typical Pyrenees. She's about 60 pounds. She's like Medium. Do you know what she's mixed with, or is that I like? Don't. Yeah. I got her from this rescue organization out in Missouri. So, nice. but she did. She, she did. I think she. I don't know. If she has problems with men, but she's growled at men like four. I'll stay away she from her. <laughs> he was trying. He, she got out. And was trying to get it back in, but he's intimidating. He's like six four. Yeah. And then she went after him in the dog park. So. She went after a dog in the dog park. Mm-hmm. Oh. She okay. actually is the one in, in therapy in the Moody Park. It's brand new. Okay. And when they put these dogs in the small mm-hmm. areas, they play with my friend's dog. And she, 60 pound dog, got between this little opening, like squeezed your whole body through, and went, I'm like, wow. I, I turned around for two seconds, her legs are going through the plank. Wow. Nobody was hurt, luckily, but that's you know, good. Just, like, scared the crap out of me. Definitely scary. Um, yeah. so, so you got, you, you enrolled because you're trying to help on those issues? Well, or no, just, I enrolled before that. You enrolled before that? <laughs> You're like, I've seen this coming. <laughs> this is going to happen. <laughs> okay, cool. And my girlfriend, who used to look down the road, trained her dog. He's just like, he'll like, he'll up and he just sits right next to her. She did it too and all the way through. That's awesome. Who's got the, uh, who's got Oso? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Okay, awesome. Spanish for bear. Oh, 
Didn't know that. I failed Spanish <laughs> at the beginning. Uh, it's a, a lab mix. Yep. 14 weeks. Yep, just a little guy. How's he doing? He's doing really well. I'd like to, again, wants to jump up on everybody, which isn't actually his puppy, but I want to start to break the habits young, so. Yeah. Uh, Fighting, like just nipping and jumping is really his two biggest issues, but he's, I mean, I think for a little guy, he's doing pretty good. Hi. Uh, so that's good. 14 weeks, not bad. Easy to train, usually. <laughs> usually. Piper? Who's got Piper? That's you. Uh, eight months old. Uh, Vishla mix, Greyhound mix, a lot of energy. Yes. Well, yeah, she, yes. Yeah. Yes, but she has her moments where she'll lay down and be calm, but she's got a lot of energy. Yeah. Uh, we have a five year old, and that was kind of, we got someone to play with, and she's still in this nipping phase, mm -hmm. and she's got in the face a couple times, and that, we, I, again, I enrolled before that happened. <laughs> but, Do um, you, you say, um, have you owned a Greyhound before? No, she, I'm not sure she, you'll have to see her. She, you, but you're not like sure. She's just like a combination yeah. maybe of the two. I guess. Yeah. The, 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 the thing about mixed dogs sometimes is they take a personality of, of one or the other breed if they're only mixed with two. Sometimes when they're mixed with like four, they get confused. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, I don't know what I want to be. So you don't know. Okay. That's, that's cool. She's also jumping and my husband started working with her and she's got the dominant personality but she's doing really well with him but with me she's not doing as well so that's why I'm here. <laughs> that's cool. Um, Maggie, Maggie, 15, 15 months. And I have 68 pounds doing what her puppies do. <laughs> so I've got oh my. nips and oh no. on me and she, she knows, she's dominating my house. She, she knows she can control huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's just the two of us so yeah. I'm like yeah. She can mow me down. Really? Let yeah. sign in for me real quick. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> chocolate lab. She's my fifth. Yeah. My sixth lab. Your sixth lab. She is the most hyper of any lab I've ever seen. She grew up with another family that had four children. Yeah. And I adopted her because they're gone all the time doing sports and different things. Mm-hmm. But they would run from the trampoline to the tree to try to get away from her. But she's, she's got a lot of energy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's a lab. <laughs> she's like, comes out of the, the birthday cake. <laughs> it's, it's all crazy. Yeah, but, you know, she's hurting me. She thinks she's playing, but she's hurting me. And then Hattie Mae is a, a chow. And, and is it Red Healer? Three years old? A couple, three years old? Have any problems? Um, she showed a lot of aggression towards my parents when she And she was kind of looking at her first, but she's up at her. Mm -hmm. The puppy's always in her family. Mm -hmm. She's just being defensive, but it's more like the puppy needs some training too. But I want her to learn to uh, not react to that because she's, mm -hmm. she's registered as an emotional support animal. So I'll be flying with her. So she needs to learn not to be reactive to other animals. That's the only thing she's reactive to? Um, for the most part, and I have ducks. You might, because I have an apartment, we have a ton of ducks. Yeah. And she tries to go at them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when there's yakky dogs, like a little, like a chihuahua, you know she kind of tenses up. Yeah. Um, big dog, big, I can't speak to it. Big dogs don't seem to mind her. Hmm. Love her. It's always the small dogs. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually prey driven. Um, right, and she pulls during walks. Walking, so. We'll do, our, we'll do our best to clear that up um, in class. So it's good to, good to meet all of you. Uh, I will be the, the, the teacher, the coach, whatever you want to say for the next uh, five weeks. It's really about getting to know me and, and meet me. Um, I, I grew, my name is Patrick, uh, Patrick Furland. I've, I've been in, lived in this area almost my whole life. Uh, I, I'm actually out of the Belleville area. I started a business back in 2007. I reached out to Cindy then. I didn't hear anything back until 2015. <laughs> so we, we got together, we talked. She liked my, my methods. She liked what I do. 
So uh, uh, six months later, I ended up starting here. I've been here for about a year and a half now, um, doing some group classes for her, filling in for Nikki when she needs me to fill in for the, the other trainers that are here. And I also do uh, classes now in Waterloo at a feed store there. So I'm kind of like in the middle since I'm hubbed in Belleville. I kind of go all around the, the little area there. And uh, how I got into it was an accident. I, I was a, a boy trying to get a childhood dream, um, and that was get a dog. I never had a dog growing up. My mom always said that I could not take care of one. So, um, so I was like, I am gonna, as soon as I graduate college, I'm moving out, I'm getting this dog. And uh, the one dog that I always wanted was a German Shepherd. And they tell you that it's not a dog to get if you're a novice. If you never owned a dog, don't get a Shep. You know, the, I, I said, you know, I'm gonna love him. It's gonna be great. We're gonna have a great time. It's, uh, everything's gonna be great. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have that, that type of love, that type of relationship that you see in the movies. You know, like uh, my, my movie that really got me to go for him was, uh, was Canine Cop with uh, Belushi in it from the 80s. So yeah, I saw the dog had a lot of personality. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, you know, I think, I think this, can, this can be a good fit. And so I get the dog, I bring him home, we go through the puppy year, everything seems fine, he's chewing on everything, he's destroying the home, he's destroying my socks, he's eating everything. Um, and then after a year and a half hits, he decided, uh, I started noticing a little bit more signs of aggression, things like that, being very territorial with his toys, uh, possessive, all that kind of stuff. And uh, the, the one night that changed how we interacted together was the, the night he attacked me. And, uh, and he, he was in the kitchen eating. I, used to, I always feed my dogs at night, or my dog now, I always feed them at night um, before I go to bed. And I fed him at night and I would go to bed. And this night he decided not to eat right away. And so I woke up, woke up in, the, in the middle of the night and I went into the kitchen to get something to drink. And when I went into the kitchen, I didn't realize he was in there next to his bowl. And uh, I opened the door and all I heard was a growl and he, he went after me. And so I, I was next to the trash can and I threw it at him. <laughs> and then ever since then, our, our, I got him away from the food. And then I, I worked with him through the whole night to just try and sew him down with feeding and things like that. And I didn't know anything about what I was doing. And, and one of the biggest things about me is that I will do my absolute best to figure things out. I, I saw so many different methods out there and so many different... Um, articles and training and behavior and I, I just didn't know what to trust and uh, so it was very hard for me to maybe call somebody in so I, I did all the work myself and I learned as I went. I ended up going to a school to learn how to do obedience training um, and then I started reading uh, non-stop uh, about just dog behavior, very boring books. Um, if you want to go put to sleep you should read those. <laughs> but it's, it's very boring. Um, but I, I, I was happy when I went through the class. I was like, man, this is going to help me. This is going to do great. I just want to make sure that I can get my dog back to good. Like, I want to get that relationship back. And um, I didn't realize what the problem was even then. So, like, I do this, and Snickers, his, his name's Snickers. He's still alive. I, I sit there, and I, I would make him sit. He would stay. He would work around other dogs. He would work around other things. But when it came to just social interaction, he was aggressive. He was still aggressive with me. He was still uh, aggressive with other animals. He was, a, you know, a stranger. Uh, he held me hostage in my house. He would not let anybody in. <laughs> like territory. I mean, like every problem that you think you can have with a dog that involves biting or aggression and being scared, I have. I've had been through it. I have seen it. I have been at it at its worst. He has motion sickness. He has anxiety about the vet. Da, da, da. I mean, he's been through everything. And so I start doing all this training with him thinking it's going to help, but it, it's not helping. And I was like, maybe he needs another dog. I know. <laughs> I was like, so I go out and I get another German Shepherd. I start volunteering at the Granite City APA. Has anyone ever been there? No? I mean, every, I, it, it's close to here. I, I, every time I ask a question in class about that, nobody's like, no, I've never been up there. Um, it's kind of like on a, on, a, on a circle path that goes all the way through. And anyway, I, I, found, I go in there and I get a dog um, there named, uh, at the time her name was Phoenix, and then I changed it to Lucy. But she was a German Shepherd mix. 
And this is where my real, uh, I guess, training began. Because she was an, uh, an amazing dog in the sense that she taught me uh, everything, how to interact, um, how to figure it out. The, the one thing that she taught me the most was that it was all about patience. I wasn't being very patient. I wasn't the best owner. I wasn't the best dog owner. I wasn't anything. I just wanted my dog to behave. I wanted my dog to love me. I wanted all these things. And at the end of the day, what I realized was it wasn't what I wanted. It was what he needed. Uh, he needed something from me, and I was only wanting from him. And, uh, and so when I bring Lucy home, he's trying to kill her, right? <laughs> like, so like, I knew how to put a dog together. I learned how to do that. But uh, I, w I walked for 45 minutes with him trying to run over to the other side to get her. But when I first interacted with Lucy, this is the first lesson that she taught me was I put the leash on her. I took her out. She was the only dog not barking in the kennel, so she intrigued me. So I took her out, we go on a walk. As soon as I put the leash on, it was a slip lead. Does anyone know what a slip lead is? Okay, so that, there are the kennel leads that they have there. So I put that on her and I take her out. And as soon as we go out there and I, and I make the transition from a buckle collar to the slip, she starts flopping around like a fish, biting at the leash, pulling and tugging and everything. And I said, okay, this time I am going to just wait it out. And so I just waited her out. I didn't move forward. I didn't move back. I just held on to the end of the, the end of the leash. And then eventually she stopped. And when she stopped, she got up and then she went next to me and she sat down. And for the next eight years, she never left my side. So it was about building trust. It was about building patience. It was about everything that, that is involved in that. And everything that I learned with Lucy was about her trusting me and how do I build that trust. So I brought her home to an intense environment with Snickers who wanted to go after her. At the same time of me protecting her, I was gaining trust with her. And at the same time with Snickers, as I was correcting him, I was building trust back with him because I was saying, I have you. I am not going to let anything happen to you. The thing is, is about when dogs become aggressive or they're unsure about things, it's not because, it's, it's not because that they're, they just don't like it. It's because they don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to deal with certain stressful situations that, be, that involve sociability. So that's why a lot of times you can see a dog who can sit and lay down and heal and do all these things, but they're like, keep your dog away because he will freak out. And so some of the things that I've learned over the years, doing this for about 10 years now, um, is that the, the biggest tool you have is yourself. I mean, you bring a dog home into your world, the, the, the biggest thing is, is that they uh, the, the, the big work is done for you already. The, the dog is genetically engineered to love you, um, to be faithful to you, to be loyal. We don't have to question that like we have to question people. Like, what's your motive here? You know, we don't have to do that with a dog. So it makes it real simple on the other end for us to give them everything that they need back. The problem is that sometimes we don't see that and we don't give them everything back. A lot of times we see them, yes, they're going to be home when we get there. Yes, we had a bad day. And all we do is we take from them, but we don't ever realize what we need to give back into them. And so it becomes a, it becomes a, a partnership at the, at the highest level. And if, you, and if, you, if you're willing to give, uh, if you're willing to make sure that you can give back to your pup, make sure you can give back into the relationship, you're going to get the best dog you've ever had. It's going to be one of those ones where, you, you know, the dog's coming to the end of their life. You're going to be like, I cannot believe that I had this dog, this amazing dog with this friendship, and it seemed like we could talk to each other without saying anything. You know, those, those, that's the kind of relationship I've had with Lucy. That's the kind of relationship I end up building with Snickers. And Snickers is still around today. Unfortunately, he doesn't get around very well anymore, so he will not probably see him in the class. Um, but he is, still, he is still kicking, and he is still moving. Um, but to, to dive into the, the, the question of, you know, what was causing Snickers to be aggressive, it all stemmed around uncertainty. He was unsure. And I saw the uncertainty and unsureness when I found out he was motion sickness. And that was the first, one of the first things that I worked through because it didn't involve him wanting to hurt me. It involved him wanting to flight. And so, you know, dogs learn and uh, dogs will give you four responses uh, and you have to be aware of what they're giving you and at what level. OK, 
Okay, and that, that's, uh, that was one of the biggest things. So most of my career, I've never done really group classes. Most of my career, I've done private in-home training to help build relationships with owners and dog. And so um, I get to spend a lot of time with people and I get to see exactly what they're doing, how they interact um, with their pup to help build that confidence and that trust back up. And so one of the biggest things with Snickers was he, he, wanted, he wanted to flight around the car. Like every time he'd get in the car, you'd see him, he just, his whole head would go down and he would start shaking. And then three minutes later, he's throwing up everywhere. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, so where was the trigger? The trigger was approaching the car. That was the first trigger. The second trigger was when I put my hand on the door handle. And the third was when he actually got in there and I turned the car on. And then you, as soon as he get in there and you turn the car on, he's just like shaking. And then I would just open the window and we would just sit there with the car on until he finally laid down and relaxed and fell asleep. And when he fell asleep, then I pulled the car down the driveway and then I pulled it back up and then took him back out. And then after that, when we were able to go down the street, we would go to the dog park. And then he would knew he'd get to play fetch because that's his game. He loves the tennis ball. And so then he started to get excited about getting into the car. And then I could get him to a point where he could last two hours in the car without having an like an anxiety attack where he needed the paper bag. Can you see that shepherd blowing in the bag? Like, just like, <laughs> but it, it, was, it was one of those things, you know. Uh, but, but that was the first step to building trust back with him. Like, I can, t I can help you. You know, I can, I can, get, this, I can get you through this, this thing. And then the next was about his possessive issues. That was a little bit more challenging because that was aggression, right? It was uncertainty. He didn't trust me to come in his space when he had something of value. Um, and that, that took a lot of time because I had, to, I, had to, I had to make him uncomfortable, but I also had to be patient. And so it was a lot of times when you hear a dog growl at you, your first interaction is to go into fight mode, to, to say, no, you're not doing that, no, 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 but not to really understand why that they're in that mindset. They're in that mindset because they don't trust you. You know, I used to wrestle with Snickers when he was a puppy, and uh, I guess my play was a little rough, and he learned not to trust me. He learned that I was unstable in that way. And, uh, and then my biggest thing was I wanted to learn how to walk him properly. The walking, I was like, if I can just learn how to walk my dog, <laughs> I will be a success. And so that was one of the biggest things was teaching him, teaching him that. But dogs learn have these four responses that they will give you. And it is, uh, they'll, they'll flight, they'll fight, they'll relax, or they'll avoid you. And having that, uh, having, having those differences and fluctuation tells you everything. Because if you have a dog who's relaxed, they're going to be social. If you have a dog who's relaxed, they are going to use their nose. And, and when a dog is relaxed, their nose is more at work than their eyes or their ears. And so what happens when a dog becomes aggressive or intense or um, very visual is that the nose goes out the window, they lock on with their eyes and their ears go up and then that becomes alert. And then what's the next step from alert? They follow. What comes next? Prey drive. Um, those, those types of things when a dog goes into that mindset, they are no longer being social. They are on a mission. And so when a dog becomes on a mission, they have, they're either going to want to run up to it and investigate it by doing some kind of physical interaction with it. A lot of times dogs will bump each other, use their nose to, to like uh, stab in on them. But they, they also will, um, they, they also sometimes will get up to another dog and they might be growling and then they just stop and they don't know what to do. And so one of, the, one of the big things that I want to convey to you guys is that the dog oftentimes does not know how to interact when they leave their home, when they leave their, their litter, when they leave their mom, when they leave everything. See, they learn everything with their mom. And if they're, not, if they're taken too early, they don't get everything that they need. One of the things that they learn is discipline. If the pup, if the pup goes after milk and, she, and the dog bites too hard, what happens next is the mom bites the dog. The dog, mom bites the dog, but immediately goes into licking the dog. That says, it's okay, you messed up, try again. And the dog comes back in, and this time the dog's a little bit more cautious. And then it comes in and does it right, and then the mom licks the pup again to let's say, now you're reinforced, this is what you need to do. So the mom teaches the dog about tension. The dog teaches the, and, but also rewards in the same breath. So, so you see, as people, we, we like to take a step back and think about what just happened. 
and then we'll go, oh, yeah, okay, now I thought, so dog, when you, when you correct, it's in the moment. You say, oh, nope, you messed up. Oh, up there it is, you got it good. You know, so the dog sits there and is sitting, and then they get up, and you go, ah, no, 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 and the dog puts its butt back on the ground, it's an immediate reward again. So that way they can really start to understand what you want from them. When it comes into behavior, it's very important that you give the opportunity for a dog to make a mistake. So like with the Snickers being aggressive, one of the things that I started working with him was, I would slow him down to a point where he was no longer wanting to lunge, and he would just start to avoid. And when he started to avoid, then I would take him closer to that animal or that dog, and then he would start to smell them. And I would give him about two seconds to smell, and then I would call him back over, and then I would ask him to sit, and then I would reward him again. And what I was doing was I was saying, that interaction, those two seconds that you gave me, were the, number, were, were the thing that I wanted from you. That's how I want you to interact with things that you're unsure of. I want you to investigate them. I don't want you to go over there because what happens is if a dog stays there for five to 10 seconds and they don't know how to interact and nobody's ever showed them or say they've gone two years without meeting another dog, well, just like us, if we've had no inter human inter inter interaction, we are going to be scared of another person. That is the truth. Or we've never been around, like say, we've never been around a certain race or a certain uh, culture and we get engulfed into that culture, we're gonna be a little bit scared. We're not gonna know how to interact. We're gonna need help with that interaction. So it's, it's very important that if you, you know, your dog doesn't see dogs on a regular basis, all different kinds, that you are there to help coach that dog along and know what to look for to make sure that it is a, it is a stable interaction. And that was one of the things I did with Snickers was it was two seconds and I called him back over, rewarded him, pet and praised him, told him that's exactly what I'm looking for right there. But if I waited five seconds, then I'm correcting him for being aggressive when in reality for those two seconds he had a great interaction. There is how you start to change the interaction between aggressive, aggression and teaching the dog what you want because it's not always aggression. Aggression comes because they're scared. Aggression is never used because they want to be dominant. Dominant dogs are actually the most well-socialized dogs. They're actually the ones that can um, go and it's, it's, it's just like, have you ever heard of a, a leader being very calm and collected? Those are the best leaders because they come in and they are so well socialized and so well socially gifted that they can come in and they can interact with the dog. They can know a dog not be stable. They can, they can, they can understand that and they will stay away. But if that dog does try and, enter, and, and try and go after them, that dog will defend itself. And he understands exactly where that other dog is at. And that was what Lucy was. I went into a home one time, and they're like, yes, we have dachshunds, yes, they bite. I was like, oh, it's okay, they're just going to go after my shoes, that's okay. <laughs> I walked in there, and Lucy's like, I'm not going in there. <laughs> and I got bit. <laughs> she was like, she's like dummy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, yeah, and she, she really was. And, and as, as the years went on with, with Lucy and Snickers, um, they, they ended up becoming best friends. I never was as close to Snick uh, as I was to Lucy until I got sick. And I was sick for about seven months, and every single time I would get home, that's where I realized that me and Snickers' relationship had come full circle. And he would be there with me through every treatment. He would, he would lay with me. After everything was over, he would come in and he would, he would make sure that he was next to me. He would give me that interaction. And I thought to myself, I was like, wow, this is, this is what we've been working towards our, the, his whole life. And I, I can tell you, um, it wasn't easy. <laughs> it was every day, taking him out, running him, day and night, snow, rain, didn't matter. He got what he needed from me because I learned at the end of the day, it's, it's, not, about, it's not about the relationship, it's, it's not about what I need from the relationship, it's about what I can give into the relationship. And I think I've taken that through my entire life, whether or not it's been through... It's like I say that, and then I've been, here I am, divorced. <laughs> you know? But but I had to learn. I had to learn. I had to learn that. You know, I had to learn that. Yes, I, I gave to my dogs, but now I have to learn to. I have to give to people as well. And so it was. It was very important. Is a very important uh, lesson that I learned that Snickers was able to teach me. That Lucy was able to teach me. Um, Lucy is no longer with me anymore. She died a few years back. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the disease of spinal melanopathy. But basically, it's like a human. It's it's uh, if you if you've heard of the the it's like that for dogs. Basically, it's a neurological disease that that starts to paralyze from the bottom up. And she lost all bladder control and things. And I was coming home, and she was in her mess and everything. So, 
so I made the decision to, to let her go. But um, <clears throat> the, the, cool thing about, the cool thing about dogs and, and what I love about them is that they are very simple, yet they're very, um, they're very interesting. Um, so you take, take wolves for exam example, their, their social structure. Uh, a lot of people think that they have like a dominant pair and this, that, and the other, but it's really a family. Uh, they really have a mom and a dad and they have little ones and things like that. And the cool thing about how a dog actually learns is that they will bring, like, so, so how the parents teach the young ones how to hunt and the older siblings, they'll, they'll go on the hunt, but when they bring the food back for the pups, the pups actually play with it and that's why you see, you know, like, it was like a, a leg or something, they'll be running with it and the other pups will be coming after it, biting at it. Because the, because the parents bring that part back to say, this is what you go after. This is how you. This is what you're going to eat. This is what we. This is what we get. Unfortunately, uh, domestic dogs aren't so uh, gifted in that anymore. We've bred that out of them, and uh, and so that's why they need us to show them how to do it because they will never look to another dog. They will only only will look to another person. A wolf will only look to a wolf, and a dog will only look to a pe person. And that's what you have to try and get out of a dog. How does that dog stop? you know, bulldozing around or making their own decisions and that kind of thing and then they stop and then they wait and they give you, um, they, they give you that second to say, I need help. Have you ever had their dog lose a tennis ball under the couch or need a toy? They just sit there and stare at you. Or when they're hungry, they go up to their food bowl and they start barking at you. Uh, or throw the food bowl in front of you. <laughs> I've had all those experiences. But, those, uh, but that's because your dog is saying, I need help. I need you to help me do something. And if we ignore those, those opportunities to, to actually go in there and help, then we, we miss an opportunity to build trust as well. But yes, I would always say, yeah, if you need my help, that's great, but you have to find out what unlocks the gumball machine too. You don't just get it for free. I need a service back from you. And so when, that, when you are able to get your dog to provide this wonderful service for you, which is being a companion in most homes, um, they feel fulfilled and you feel fulfilled as well because you have a direct um, vocabulary now that you can speak with your dog. And uh, the cool thing, who, who knows why uh, a, a dog can catch a rabbit? I mean, who, who, who can understand it? Who understands the real process that happens there with a, if, if a dog has great prey drive and, and everything? This, is, this, is, this goes and entails to how they figure you out as a person, how a dog can sit there and go, Something's not right today. <laughs> like, you know, you come home and you're sitting there looking around because you think the dog made a mess on the floor and the dog's over there cowering in the corner. It's not so much that the dog knows that they made a mess, it's the fact that they know that they've seen something change in you. And since a dog is a predator first, they actually study you. So if you bring a dog home for that first two weeks and you go, man, this dog was completely relaxed. They didn't do nothing. They were just, you know, kind of watching me and... They, they would sleep a lot and that thing. It's, it's because they're like reading your book. They're reading who you are. And eventually when they figure that out, then they sit there and go, this is where I can go in. This is, what I, this is how I can get what I want. And then they'll try different things and they'll press the book and they'll press the envelope and they'll do all those things and then they'll get into it. Um, but, but they're a predator first and a predator studies things. They learn everything that they need to learn about whatever it is that they need to do and get and how to get that reward. And just like wolves in the wild, they will migrate with the herd. They will sit there and say, I will migrate and we'll travel up to uh, hundreds of miles with this herd and we will pick the right one. And usually it's the breeding pair that picks the right one that they want to go after. And what happens is, is once they pick the right one, by smelling the leaves that they've passed and eaten, they'll find one that might be sick by smelling the saliva on the plants or in the feces that they let go. They can pick up on these different subtle signs that, that one animal in that group is not right and then they go up and that's why they go up and they test them out and they, they spread them out and they see how they move and then they bite one or they, and they smell one. But what happens is, is when they finally smell the right one, the one that they've been after, um, they lock onto it through smell and then they lock onto it with eyes and ears and that's why they never lose it even when the herd tries to protect it. Dogs never lost that, uh, that part of it. Uh, they actually will, uh, with a rabbit anyway, or any type of prey animal at home, is that they will study it and watch it and they'll learn the movements and then they'll 
go up to it and eventually they learn which way that rabbit zigzags when it gets um, when it gets spooked. And you might think it's a different rabbit every day, but the rabbit's coming out every day and then does this thing and the dog's like, yeah, I know that rabbit, I, I smell you. <laughs> you know? And then he comes in there and, uh, and the dog cuts it off. And then he gets it because he knew the movements. He anticipated what was going to happen because he studied it and watched it and did everything that he could to make sure that he knew everything about it. And that's the cool thing about dogs is that they, they, they lock on through things through smell. So when I interact with the dog, when I go somewhere, is that first impression is all about, I'm, I'm all about rules and I'm fair. So it's like, I'm not going to come in, I'm not going to be overbearing, but I'm going to be fair. And I'm, I am going to have a, a set, uh, I'm going to have a set boundaries for myself that I'm not going to let a dog cross. And, and that, and when a dog smells me and gets to know me, that's how they see me. So they could be this unruly dog, but every interaction he's had with me has been great, and he's sat, and he's worked, and he's done that. So he comes up to me, smells me, and he gets ready to work again. That's what I become to him in smell. Since they, they can smell in layers, and they smell through association, that's how they learn. That's how they learn how to, how to interact with everything that they do. They learn how to interact with the chair. If a dog sees a chair and is automatically scared of it, and they've never smelled it, that's why because they don't know that they're supposed to go up and interact with the smell. So if it, well, one example I can tell you is, we, I worked with this dog named Leo, he's a German Shepherd, and he's a great dog. He goes to the law office with the lawyer every day, and I go there and I work with him once a week, and I say, well, okay, let's take him out, let's, let's go to Rural King and just see how he interacts in a different environment. So we go to this other environment, first time he ever saw a mannequin. He goes up to the mannequin, he goes, <laughs> does one of, those, one of those things, right? And, uh, and I said, I said, it's okay. We're going to keep him here. We're going to keep him right here. And then all of a sudden, he starts avoiding it. He sits, you know, sideways to the mannequin. And he's like looking over his shoulder like this. Like, you know, like, like, like you do not come near me, dude. And, uh, and eventually, he turns back around. And then he goes up and sniffs it very cautiously. And when he does, then I call his name over and I reward. And then we do it again. And then I reward. And then... Then we go away. We, and then his next reward is we, we'll go away from it. And then we came back. And by the third time we come back, he, he was walking by like it didn't exist. And that's the thing is you, unlike a wolf that's already geared and they learn that from their parents, dogs don't learn that from their parents. They learn that from us because this is a, a different world than what they have. They have things that are unnatural in it. Chairs, uh, mannequins, clothes, socks you know they don't know how to to deal with that and so that's one of the things when i work with discipline with a dog i often work with smell so there's a there's a reason why a dog grabs socks it's probably because it's got a lot of that person's scent on it and they get excited then they grab onto it and it's like they're super excited and then they play Sometimes they tear shoes up because they're so excited that the owner smells on there that they try and find them or they get nervous and they try and go after them. But at the, um, at the end of the day, if they respect you and they know how to interact with those garments and those things, that when they smell that shoe, that actually might make them relax. So what are, so what are you becoming for your dog? Are you a source of excitement or are you a source of relaxation and comfort? You know, those types of things, when you think about, when you interact with your dog, is all about association. Like, well, when I get home, I play fetch with my dog, and we do this, and it's just a great time, and he's happy, and he does all these different things, but he's not ever calm with you. You know, he never has to work. He never has to have that interaction. That's why I think the walk is so important, because it's, it, it, my walks with my dogs have always been completely structured. And that's an hour of structure when I get off with the, my, you know, from seeing people or working at another job or, or whatever it is that I do. When I come home, that walk is structured and that is our first interaction back together. It's nothing but structure. And so he, we get back together, we work, we do our thing, he comes home, and then we have, you know, re, uh, uh, s some play time, whether or not I throw the ball for him a little bit. And a lot of times we, we miss some of those interactions. And, and, and some of it is you, you got to have that, that's the social interaction, obviously. That, that's the bonding part. Dogs have all those same bonding things that we do. Chemicals, serotonin, oxytocin, cortisol. They have all those chemicals in, in their body. And, you know, the, the bonding chemical, I believe, is oxytocin. 
And so when you're at home and you're like, I want to pet you, but the dog's chewing on his toy. So <laughs> dog's like, I don't want to be petted right now. <laughs> I'm kind of into this. But you want to get to a, a point where you both are in sync to where you want that cuddle at night and they're ready for it. And so it's, it's very important. That's, that's how you kind of can get those emotions on scent or on, on sync. But, the, but one of the cool things about, about dog smell is, um, I know that we know that they smell very, they have a really good sense of smell, right? I mean, they, they can sit there and they can track people and they can do those things, but do you know why the, um, that makes their, their scent so, so incredible? Like it's a superhuman strength, like they don't need eyes. <laughs> like, it's, it is because they can smell in layers. See, people smell a finished product. Someone walks in the door, we smell the perfume, we smell the cologne, we smell you know, the overall, what it smells like, everything all grouped into one. A dog can separate what they want out of that. So they can come in and they can say, um, you know, like, like a cartoon, I always say, with the, the smell going over the, the fence line and everything, they can track that type of smell and then they can, they can track it and follow it. And so they can tell when you feed the dog, they can tell where the, where the food was packed, what's in it. They can tell you every ingredient. They can tell you whatever it is that's in there that they want the most out of it. And um, that's, uh, that's one of the most interesting things because if you can sit there and pinpoint what your dog's always after through his smell, then you can really teach him to do a lot of different cool things because you find the motivator. What does your dog always want? Some dogs are like, I want squeakers. And I want these toys and everything else. And um, I, I, I had an interaction with a, a, a couple the other night where she's like, why did the dog like throw the, throw the toy in the air and jump on it and everything? I was like, because he's simulating killing an animal. I go, that's what it is. I go, I go, that's what play is. They learn how to do those things. They shake it. That's breaking the neck. They, they throw it. They pounce on it. And then, then they just have fun with it. But that's, 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 the rea that's the reality of it, it's play. But when they find an actual animal, nine times out of 10, they're not gonna know what to do. It's like a shepherd, it was like, I had, I had ducks. And so when, it, when my shepherd would come around and herd the duck into a corner, he would sit there and he would just stop because that's what they're genetically geared to do. They're not, they, they lose how to, how to bite an animal. So they corner them and they're like, ugh. You know, they're sitting there like looking around trying to, they're like trying to figure it out. And eventually they can, they can figure out, they can go up and hurt it. But that's why they give you that, that the, they have to relearn that process because it was bred out. So <clears throat> I usually allow some time for questions and answers. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much uh, what I have for you guys. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to working with you because like I said, for me, it's, it's all about why a dog does a certain thing. It's not about, it's not about making the dog do a certain thing. Um, getting the dog to a point where it's a partnership, where we work together, where the dog and owner seem to feed off each other. It's not domineering in a way. Like, we're not going to sit there and make you sit on the floor. <laughs> like, uh, if you are scared, if the pup is scared, we need to practice patience. And so that's one of the biggest things when we start class is that I want you guys to understand that if the dog does not want to lay down because it is scared, do not force the issue because you will lose trust. And if you can get to a point where you can gain trust with your pup in this classroom, eventually they will lay down. If you work hard enough on it, you work long enough at it, you challenge yourself a little bit, your dog will get there. It is very important that, that just because maybe some of the class is moving faster than other parts of the class, um, it's okay. Just take the knowledge. Take what you learn. Practice it at home. Um, ask me the questions that you need to ask me. I have no problems with people asking me 100 million questions. <laughs> I have no problem answering them. But I, I, do, I, do, I do have to move at a certain pace for the class, unfortunately, to, to make sure we cover everything. And I hope through this class that you can gain some ideas gain um, some knowledge and it, and it becomes a source of value for you. I want to make sure that you leave with that kind of value. I don't want you to leave saying, thinking you wasted your time because that's the most important value in life. And I, don't, I don't want you to, to have that feeling. Yes, you're paying some money, but at the end of the day, um, it's really, is it worth my time? Is it worth, worth my hour of my Saturday where I'm off work um, or I have to go into work later or whatever? But I want to make sure that it's worth your time because it's worth my time to be here. I enjoy this very much. And this is my actually favorite class this day because <laughs> I get to talk. <laughs> but I talk next week, but it's more instruction.
I want you guys to, to be aware that I am, I am here to, to be a source of knowledge for you and in any questions that you have, don't feel, don't feel nervous to ask them. So with that being said, well, I'll tell you what we're going to learn. We're going to learn sit, down, stay, leave it, coming when called, uh, walking on the leash, um, and uh, the cue I like to do, I call is focus. Uh, focus will be week one, also walking on the leash to help with the anxiety. So a lot of dogs, when they come in here, they will be barking, jumping around, whining, uh, you know, it, just like just looking like a hot mess. <laughs> and so, so the quicker we get them going and moving, the quicker we can get all the dogs in sync. And you'll notice as the weeks go on that all the dogs will kind of, kind of come together, and they'll work better than the people. <laughs> so like they'll get they'll get together on each other, and then uh, and then you'll see like one dog mess up, and it'll just send a ripple all through the entire class. It's like one dog will start to bark, and then all of a sudden, all the other sudden they're like, you you just have to you just have to have the tools there to be able to to get them back into get them back into sync. And so some of the some of the tools you'll need is a is a treat bag or some or some something similar. Uh, they have. Uh, with Nikki's nonprofit for veterans, she has uh, some treat bags here. I think they're they're two dollars. They're pretty reasonably, or you can bring your own. Um, we have uh, collars. We like to use the prong collar here. Does anybody have any objection to the prong collar? Has anybody ever used one of those? I have an objection. Yeah. Question. I use a head collar. Mm -hmm. You can you can you can bring her on that, but we'll probably transition her over to a, a a prong collar just so you can try it, and you might get a better result out of the prong. Um, a prong collar looks like this. <clears throat> they are scary looking. Um, these are the ones that that we'll use here. This this brand. Uh, they, these ones are rounded out. They have different edges, and I will answer any questions that you have on these. I'm just going to kind of give you an overall view. The reason why we use these is because it is a constricting collar, but it only constricts to a point. So the, the, the slip leads are what I use when I do private lessons because I never know what I'm going to see, and a dog will chew through these like, like nothing, but they're really cheap. But this, is a, this, this leash here, when I teach dogs to walk on this, is actually a fully constricting collar, and if you use it right, you actually don't choke the dog. But, if, but it does constrict all the way. So if you're not sure that you know what you're doing, I would not recommend something like, like this to teach a dog how to walk because it's not an easy tool to learn. This one will only constrict to a certain point. Um, and I'll pass this guy around. They look, they look meaner than what they are. Does it hurt them? Does it hurt them? <laughs> it does not hurt them if it's used properly. It applies pressure, but if you if you pop the dog really hard, it will hurt them. It, just like any tool. If, I, if a dog decided to, to, to full on gallop out of the way with this, it's going to hurt because it's going to constrict all the way on his neck. But if you, if, you use the, if you use the collars right, and when we start to learn how to walk the dog the first week, I tell you, you only use your wrist. When I, when I walk a dog, I pull up with my wrist and I let go immediately. That's it. That is absolutely it. But you have to be aware of the tension that you have on the, on the lead. A lot of times people don't understand that they're used to their dog pulling. So they're already gearing up for the, uh, gearing up for the rodeo. And, uh, and, and at the end of the day, it's not that. That's, that's what triggers the dog to pull. Because if you're, not, if you're not who you are, if you're not calm and collected like the dog sees you 90% of the time because you're at home, the dog's going to think something's wrong. He's not going to trust what is happening. So, like, even when I practice, when we practice sit and stay, if you walk away and you're like this with your treat, you're like, stay, stay. Talks to be like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? Like, you can't. He's like, he's like, I need to be with you because you're not, you're not okay right now. You're not acting okay. And so the dog will want to get up. But if you walk away normally, like, stay, and you walk away normal and you just walk away, the dog will stay. It is incredible. He may not say the first two times, but the third time he'll get it. Because they're, they understand, they're like, well, they're, they're completely fine. They don't need me right now. But then they start to listen because that part of them, they don't have to worry about anymore. And that, but, the, but the collars, I'll pass this one around. And the reason why we, we recommend these types is because this one here is a little bit more bulkier and bigger. And the way they chafe these parts off, the prong parts, can actually dig into the dog's necks. These ones are actually more rounded and it only applies pressure so it won't dig. I don't want the dog to be hurt 
And at the same time, I will be evaluating them as we're in class as well to see if the collar is the right fit. And I, and I can recommend something else as well. Um, but I don't want you to, to feel like, if it's just not working for your dog, I don't want you to feel like you're obligated. I mean, you can use whatever you want. I just want to try and keep things as uniform as possible because I'll be teaching off these. And if you, if we, like say, we end up moving to a slip lead for your dog or, or some other tool, I will give you a brief description of how to use it, but I won't be able, uh, like everything I tell a person to do will be used around these, this type of collar. Does that make sense? Just to keep it uniform. But um, I'll pass these around and you guys can kind of feel them and look around. Um, you'll, you'll need treats, obviously. Uh, I like to use treats a lot. So um, I like to mold the dog. A lot of, less, a lot of times I use less pressure. Um, so you'll see me coaching the dog a lot with hand movements and body language. One thing I'll tell you from every single time is that I, I say, yes, we are going into this um, coaching the dog a lot, but it is your job to scale the coaching back um, to where you can stand straight up, to where you're not giving any body language. Because if you really want the dog to learn a sit, you have to be able to stand straight up and say, sit. Because a lot of times sit means this to a dog, sit. You lean in, the dog gets some pressure, they lean back. It's not a real sit. It's, a, it's the dog learns your body language. And that's okay, that's what you want. Same thing with down, a lot of people will be like down. And, and the reality is, is that dog's not picking up any sound. So if you, if you remember what I said, dogs follow what's most consistent. And, and that's what they're gonna follow. They're gonna pick up on the most consistent thing, which is body language. It's our most consistent form of communication as people. We, we talk a lot but we talk more with our hands. We talk more with our body language. We talk more with um, everything like that. So it's very important to be very aware of what you're doing in class. I'll do my best to tell you. <laughs> I was like, just relax, calm down. You know, to, you know, lower the hand, <laughs> you're okay. I'll do my best to, to be there to coach you along because I, I really do. I want you to get the most value that you can out of the class. And um, uh, I think that's all the, uh, so treats, we use, uh, we'll have some treats here if you forget some. We, we use the Little Jacks. Um, if you have a dog with allergies or anything like that that has a certain type of allergy, just make sure you, you bring the certain treats that you need to, to, to work with them. Okay, um, we, we recommend to have something chewy, not like a, a milk bone, because we'll be walking the dogs and when they're obviously in movement, um, they probably will hack the milk bone up and it'll just go everywhere and they'll, st they'll have to stop five minutes and get every crumb and then they'll keep going, you know. <laughs> so, but we, we'll have water for the dogs out. Um, we have coffee for you guys since this is the early class. I have a little coffee maker. Um, and uh, we'll be taking a break halfway through class. So um, just, just keep that in mind. Sometimes the break is for the dog, sometimes it's for me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but other than that, I, uh, do you guys have any questions for me? Yeah. I have one. Um, do we need to do anything or do you recommend anything to do this week until next class with preparation with our dogs? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can start working with uh, the focus cue at home. Um, the, the focus cue is very easy. But you have to really kind of know what to look for. So when I, when I, when I talk about it is, uh, you know, you wave a treat in front of the dog's face and, um, and the dog will look at you and then you would reward. So you'd wait the dog to stop pawing at you, licking, licking your hand, barking at you, whatever you want to say. But then once they give you direct eye contact, that's when you reward. And I always call it learning the dog's name because um, if you can say the dog's name, if you can grab their attention, then you can ask them to sit. Then you can ask them to come here. So everything that we do will be centered around your dog's name and saying sit or saying down. So we want to make sure that your pup is well aware of their name and that you only use it for rewards and good things. If you don't use the dog's name for good things, I would recommend that you start now and that you use the word no for everything that you hate. <laughs> Let them get used to everything that word no means. Um, but don't use their name and then followed by no. Because, yeah. <laughs> Well, great, that's awesome because then you can, then you can really learn how to proof it. So you haven't, the, you haven't had the chance for your dog to have a really negative association with it, and then try and build trust back with it. So um, th that would be one thing that I would recommend. Make sure you know is it going to be a good boy, good girl for a reward marker. You know uh, what? What do you want um, that communication to sound like? And so we'll be moving fast with that kind of a vocabulary. And I'll try and do my best to make sure that we are all on the same page when we actually start class. Does any have, anyone have any questions on like any any behavioral questions that they were ever curious about? <laughs> yeah. Um, did, 
I can't remember which command she said you used. My husband, I said my husband said started kind of working with her at home, and he's he started using off mm -hmm. and settle. I don't know if that's you that you use at all or for for jumping. Jumping. Okay. And the settle is kind of when she's crazy and. I mean, she just like tears. Does it work? Like you can you can say whatever you want. We're not going to cover anything that has to do with settle. My biggest thing is I just use the word no. If the dog's doing something I don't like, I keep it simple. I'm like no. Yeah, she and, looks at me. And just, she decides to keep no, going. Yeah, and and that's I mean, to me that sounds like a dog that, that needs a little that needs some uh, needs some just some exercise, something to drain the the energy yeah. out. But um, yeah, I, if that's what you're using, and if it's, if it's working, I, I'd say definitely keep using it. Um, but the jumping behavior has to is usually is usually you have to be able to to address it some way. So, no, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so, so I mean, when you, when you work with another dog and you have another dog, like I said, it's all about showing them what you need. And sometimes you have to have that dog on a leash because you need to have some sort of leverage. And, and when you see that, and she always charges at the dog or whatever, you need to be able to, ha be able to have a correction there. And so when she charges and she, you tell her no first, and then she goes, then she feels the tension on the leash, and then she can't get to the dog, and then if you're able to call the dog back over, then that's a reward. You say, good, thank you for listening. Um, and that's how you can also kind of proof the word no, because it, it, it's not fair to correct a dog um, without being able to tell them no first. Yeah. Now when we walk, that is the only exception I use to the rule um, when it comes to when it comes to just walking, because like I said, when I correct, whenever they move a certain way or they get out of, when they get out of line, I just, I just pull up with a little bit of tension on the leash and I release right away. But when I see another dog and the dog is barking at them or whatever, yeah. I will tell them no, and then I will do a light correction on the leash to try and get their attention back. But um, it's just to redirect. Um, everything's always about redirecting the dog the, the best, the easiest way possible. I mean, they get along great. And, 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 and yeah, and, and the cool thing, and the cool thing is, is you can control energy level. I mean, you can control how they play. Yeah. You can say this is this is as high as I want you to go, yeah. and and you can you can dictate that. So when they get to a certain level, you're like, no, 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 no. And then they learn if you're consistent by that level of play, they will maintain that. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, well, the hand gestures will be in the movement. Um, so when we actually coach the dog. So it's up to you if you're going to scale those back or not. I recommend yes, because if you're going to start working at distance with your pup and your dog is 10 feet away and you already have them at a sit and you walk all the way down here and you have them in a sit and stay and then you, and then you uh, free the dog up and then you want them to sit again immediately, they have to know what sit looks like. They have to know what it sounds like, not looks like, and it sounds like. But they have to, they have, they have to know. And so the, the best, the best opportunity, the best option there is, is to, to use the sound, get them used to that. Um, but if you, if you're, if you're, if you only want to use hand gestures, if the dog's deaf, I understand. You have to be, you have to, if you're going to work at distance with a dog who is deaf, your body language has to be a little bit more animated so the dog can, can catch it. Because a dog sitting over there, my body language looks a little different from a dog up here looking up. Okay, because just changing environment, you change environment. Whether or not I'm kneeling, that's environmental change for a dog. That's different. And so whenever you work with your dog, if you work with them on gravel, cement, grass, in here at PetSmart, wherever you take them, it's an environmental change. So I always tell people to master it in a non-threatening environment, which would be your home. You master it there, dog knows exactly what to do, and then you go and you challenge the dog somewhere else. Just be aware, you'll be starting back at the beginning, but the dog has already learned it, so they'll learn it twice as fast. And the same thing with every environment, eventually they learn it for every single environment. So that's what I would recommend. Yeah. Is this something that you phase out, or do you recommend for the collar something that's... You definitely, you definitely can phase it out. It's not something that, that you can... You, 
you know, it's, it's, it's considered a training collar. Um, so if you go and you're in service work or you're moving on, a lot of times the testing won't allow you to have one of those on. So it's very important that if, that, if, you're, if you're saying, I want to phase it out, that how you phase that out is important. A lot of times you will have both collars back on, maybe you put the buckle collar on with the prong and you have two leashes. And so that way the dog still feels that one, but you're actually walking with the other one. Okay. Uh, and then you can eventually phase it completely out. So that would be one way to do that. Just teaching the dog what you need. You're not trying to hurt the dog. You're not trying to do anything. You want to teach the dog what you need from them. And that way they can give back to you. Yeah? So I have a question. So um, first time dog owner. Okay. Like reading and like talking to different people about, mm -hmm. you know, everyone has, a, everyone has an idea of what makes a good dog. Right. Um, and like a lot of things that I've read are like, you know, don't punish your dog like you shouldn't. And then some people are like, oh, I got to smack my dog on the nose. And right. that's how I got them to stop biting. <laughs> You know, I mean, in your opinion, like, do you I, ever punish a dog? Or? Punishing and discipline are two different things for me. Um, I never punished a dog um, when I knew better. So um, with Snickers, I did punish him at the beginning. I smacked him. I did a lot of stupid things with him that made him lose trust in me. The problem is, is that we become emotional. So you can have somebody who is abusive towards their dog, but never emotional. And that dog will still love that person. It is about, are you able to stay in control? And um, the thing is, is life is not all positive. It is negative. You've been disciplined growing up one way or the other, whether or not it was with a spanking, whether or not it was being grounded. A dog has to learn by positive and negative. Now, it does not have, the negative does not have to be abusive. The negative can be a like correction. Like I said, they got bit by their mom when they went after milk when they were, too, when they were, when they were young and they made a mistake. They got bit, but then they got corrected and it was rewarded immediately when they came back and the mom said she was sorry and da da da. But they, they learn through some of that negative tension. I'm not saying it's okay to pop the dog on the nose because I think it's unnecessary. But you can use tension, whether or not it's body language where you stiffen up. You say no and you lean in. You're leaning into that space and saying, I disagree. And you confront it. And that's tension. Like I said, they've already learned what tension means through their mom because when their mom bites them, they are tense. And then you gotta relax. And that's, and I think because we are a higher level thinking of species, that we should have a higher level of understanding how to convey that message. And we should not lose control. We should always be in control because that's what your dog trusts. Okay. <clears throat> Any other questions? I, okay, I gotta. I gotta, I gotta end it. I'm sorry, but I, I, I look forward to meeting all of you and your dogs next week again. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.